Episode 6, Jonathan Reynolds, Titus Talent Strategies. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. All right, guess what? If you haven't already heard this, it's probably going to be a wake-up call. The average tenure of an employee is three years today. Wow. So everything is rapidly changing, including the fact that the lifespan of how long our employees are in our organization is just so dramatically different than the way that it was in the past. And how do we embrace that and realize we don't have to be the norm, but if that is going to be the norm in our organization, how do we maximize that? So I've got a great guest today on the show to be able to share what he's doing. He's growing a company at like 10x speed and um, is a culture evangelist, a keynote speaker globally, and has been running companies in the recruiting industry for nearly 20 years. As CEO of Titus Talent Strategies, I want to welcome Jonathan Reynolds to the show, and we're going to dive right into this question around maximizing the employee experience and embracing the fact that the average lifespan is a lot shorter than it used to be. Tell us, Jonathan, what are you doing to maximize your employee experience at Titus Talent Strategies? I love people. Probably about 20 years ago, when I kind of started into the my career in people space, and I thought, okay, I love people. I love sales. How do I do this? I get to sell people legally in the recruiting industry and the talent space. And uh, But I it's always been from this foundation of really genuinely loving people, caring about people, and trying to understand what's what people bring to the table what's in their heart what do they actually find of their their skill sets their strengths their passion um and aligning all of those things together and say okay how do we use this person while they're in our organization as you say maybe three years to to them their max where we really care about their development we care about stretching them and obviously we're running a business and we're a for-profit organization so it's got to match our vision and values as well it's not like we're just picking people up off the street and saying hey how do we serve you but they've got to align with the mission vision values of the organization but on a day-by-day basis saying, okay, these individuals, whether it be 20 people at times, you've got 100 people, 200 people on your team, you think, okay, each one of these people has a story and we're a part of their story for the next few years of their life. For me, I just think one year. I think, okay, how do I develop this person over the next year? Thankfully, they don't leave after one year, but I just go year by year and say, okay, where do they want to go and how do I help them get there? And we, we let that flow through our whole organization, through managers. And there's only so much you can carry your weight of, the kind of the burden of leadership. Um, it could really, when you start talking about balance, it can, I have known times of intense anxiety when I take on this giant weight of feeling all of the responsibility of not just employees or team members, but all of their families that follow them. It can be overwhelming for sure. And I, I wouldn't say I've mastered the art of this, um, but definitely growing every day. That's awesome. And I'd love to dive in a little bit more to how do you empower your leaders? Like I know one of your leaders that works out of the Indianapolis community that is just awesome. I mean, he seems to be just inspiring people to that same level that you are. How do you break it down to be able to like empower these other leaders that are working underneath you to bring that same 
I guess, force and, and um, system to develop the people that are with them? Is this like a real systematized thing? Is this something that you make suggestions on how often they meet? Can you break that down for people that are wondering how to do this in their organizations? One of the things we, we talk about is the, the Titus Utopia. Okay, we've learned a lot. We want to keep growing. We love who we are as a company, but we know that it's going to keep adapting and growing and will evolve. Okay, I certainly won't take credit for it. We, we've become who we are by gathering lots of wisdom and inspiration, some grand ideas from other companies, other people, books, proverbs, whatever, and just saying, okay, we don't have it all together but we really are committed to having a great company culture. And so a number of years back, I took the small group of people and said, okay, what, what really defines us? And just asked them for different adjectives that really make us us. Because we were kind of like looking at it saying, okay, if we're going to keep growing and we've grown really fast as a small group of people, but we're going to keep growing, what do we want the sound of Titus to be? What do we want the experience of Titus to be? What do we want um, when people come into our organization to join the team that we trust automatically, we can choose to trust them because we know they're of the same culture, I guess, having the same values. And so I just asked everyone for these different adjectives and we sort of played around with them. And that's how we kind of established what our values were. We, we said, okay, we're calling these lived values because we will live them every day. They're not core values that are buried at the bottom of your website or in the employee manual and um, nobody knows what they are. We, we said, okay, we're going to be committed to hiring people based on these values. And so they, they have completely threaded through our interview process. Um, we're going to reward and promote people based on these values. And so performance is in there, absolutely. And it defines what we mean by that type of performance. But it's something that goes through everything in our organization. We want every individual on the team to experience it every day. So we talk about how, is the, how are those values displayed every single day. And anytime we've parted ways with them, we're not 100% um, hit rate on, on everyone we brought into our organization. It comes down to a, vi a consistent violation of values and saying it's just, it just not, a, not a, a great alignment. Uh, and uh, it's even to the point of some top performing salespeople, which are obviously very precious to an organization, violation of the values has caused a separation of ways and say, okay, we're not going to jeopardize culture just because we want what you do, because you've got to recognize it's not what somebody brings to the table only, it's what they're taking away and they can drain and sap the life out of an organization like cancer if you don't deal with that. Can you give me a couple of examples of the values that tend to come up most often when it comes to like your recruiting efforts and just you and the leadership team talking regularly? Like what are a couple of those just to give our listeners some examples of your values? I'll rattle them off, but we had to define each one of them. Passion, excellence, integrity, accountability, results, servanthood, entrepreneurism, and fun. And so we had to define each one of those. And when we say fun, or when we say, I don't know, I would say passion, you think, oh, that person's really passionate. They're really energetic. So we had, no, that's not what we're saying with passion. We, we value determination, perseverance, and a high sense of urgency. And we realize that that's it inspires a level of trust and confidence when people have that determination, perseverance, and that sense of urgency. And so when we're dealing with our partners, which our customers or clients, we call them partners, um, they want to know that we have a sense of urgency and that we're going to kick it really hard until the end and we're not going to give up. 
And so that was that was going to we had to define what we meant by passion. And then we actually evaluate people based on that. Integrity, really, really important. You can have all these other things. And when we realize as well that these all of these values are in tension with one another, you've got to keep that balance together. You can't value one over the other. And they, they certainly pull on each other at times when you have that kind of sense of passion and that drive. Okay, integrity can get tugged on. It's like, okay, am I going to cut corners here or am I going to do the right thing? So we say we're doing the right thing, being honest and ethically unwavering and inspiring trust in the way we speak and in the way we act. And so it's very, we definitely found these challenged at times by individuals and as an organization, as teams, we'll call each other out on it and say, hey, 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 listen, live values, don't forget them. And, uh, And people generally have that kind of humility to be able to receive from one another and not be defensive, including myself going, oh yeah, you're right. I shouldn't act that way because it doesn't follow our live values. And and the things that I want to, I'm challenged by our values. And you think, really? You don't, you're not the, the, uh, the model of all of those? No. <laughs> it's things that I, we, we, partly what we aspire to, we want every experience with people inside the organization and outside the organization to experience these things tangibly. Yeah, that is that is so great. I uh, work alongside a friend of mine that is a culture speaker, and I always hear her talk about um, everyone's culture is unique, which you and I both know, but it is the agreed upon norms that a leadership team can rattle off the top of their head and uses to assess every scenario to make the right decisions. And many times without having to go and say, hey, I need everybody to gather in a conference room, you need to make a quick whim decision. And you know, off the top of your head, you guys are aligned because of those set of norms that, you know, everyone could easily just rattle off. They're memorized and they're able to help them with the decision-making process when there's you know hard decisions to make. One thing I'd love to dive into, because I have a feeling that there's some listeners, listeners on here that are struggling with situations like a top-performing salesperson that um, is not a cultural fit. And how in the heck do you handle that? Because it's like such a business conflict, right? They're like bringing in the numbers and that's how a business survives. But the cultural fit is not there. Can you speak a little bit to your experience in handling that and how you advise that process? I'm going to go back a little bit to the values. And one of the things that we have um, is the team commitment. And we, if we trust one another and we choose team over self because we believe we're better together than we are alone. We respect one another. We're flexible with change and we uphold the values the tightest values. And so it's a commitment we make to one another and everyone signs it basically as this supporting one another in this way. And we had a, a high, high performing, one of our top performing salespeople on the team. And it got to the point where, how would I say, I think the description would be ego got in the way. I think kind of as pro- a top producer and far beyond other people in the organization. And it gets to the point where it's like, I, I could do this on my own. I could do all of this literally on my own. I don't, I think I could do all of the jobs better than these people around me. And um, so I sat this person down and said, Hey, um, what's happening right now is your attitude towards your other team members. Um, Anything you say is if you can imagine like a ravine and you're, you're on one side of the ravine and they're on the other side and you're trying to communicate across this ravine and the bridge is broken. And so anything you send over, it's just falling right down into the ravine and you need to build that bridge again and you need to build it very quickly. And it's going to come by this, by recognizing the strengths of your other team members 
and actually valuing and appreciating those and recognize that you are better because of them, because of the work that they do for you and supporting you in your role and how you can support them in their role. And I said, so you, you need to make some very swift decisions on this one. If you truly believe that you're better alone, then you need to go and be alone. Uh, and it's not here because we're a team and we stick together. And so it was, a, it, was a, it was a tough conversation. And I think for me as an owner, looking at that saying, okay, um, how do I make this? And I had a sense of which direction it was going to go because I think character is, is built and displayed over time. It's not an overnight thing. When you see somebody who has a lack of integrity, uh, it's very quick, very difficult to quickly change that, I think. If there's a thread of whatever, a, a norm in, their, in the, their own cultural understanding of things, and it's very hard to just change that overnight. And so I had a, a sense of where it was going to go, and it did go that way. It was a separation. I think one of the hard things for me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a competitive person, and how do I make this go peacefully? How do I make this go amicably? And how do I live the values of saying, oh, we're better together, we're better as a team? How do I respect the rest of the team and not create a big bunch of drama? I mean, it was really, it was a hard, hard time. It was difficult because a lot of people don't understand it. Um, a lot of people think, oh my gosh, when you lose our, one of our top people, now are we doomed? You know, no, we're not doomed, you know? And this is when we were back when we were really small. And so it can feel that way when you're a tight-knit group. But yeah, those are, those are really tough decisions to, to make, but I think that's where you go back to your values. Yeah, that's so good. Jonathan, we're going to take just a quick break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Custom Concrete has been creating foundations for the finest homes, commercial buildings, and industrial facilities throughout central Indiana since 1969. Builders, contractors, and homeowners rely on our expertise because so much depends on getting it right. Our knowledge and control of all aspects of the job, from excavation to waterproofing to backfill, means that extra value is built into every project. Codes don't drive our business. Excellence does. See the difference at customconcrete.com. All right, Jonathan, welcome back to the show. So what are your thoughts on, if for some people out there that are dealing with having a tough conversation that they, they just... They know in their gut, they've seen maybe some data, they know they need to have it. What are your thoughts on taking those first steps of having that, that conversation, that tough conversation? Avoid generalities and be really specific on attitudes and behaviors and have examples. Because I think for many, many times when there's a, a pattern or a rhythm of life for people and that's how they've got through, like right, this is how I got to where I'm at, I'm a survivor and this is how I do it and I'm successful. You can, there can be this sort of sense of, this is me, take it or leave it. And think, okay, in our organization, we value this. And let me show you the examples. Here are some situations where you violated that um, or where you've just, you've not, you're not creating, like for us, it doesn't create a culture of trust if you're doing those things. So, because um, people don't know where you're at and your angle that you're coming from, et cetera, et cetera. Here are some examples and give some really specific examples and be ready to talk them through. If somebody else has shared those, uh, it's another one of those challenges where, Somebody in the organization comes and say, this person's acting like this. I'm like, okay. Have you talked to them about it? No. Okay. <laughs> then you need to talk to them about it. Because if I go to them, I don't have the example, and I will use a specific example, and I'm going to have to use your example that you just gave me. And I will have to tell them it's you. And that's not a healthy culture either. So I'm asking you to go back to that person and talk to them directly. And you've got 24 hours to do it. 
because we're not going to allow this to keep going through the organization because, and I don't want you to talk to anyone else between now and then. I want you to go straight to them. You know, I don't want you to talk to anyone else about the situation. Just go, just go talk it through. If it, if it doesn't work out well, as you suspect, then I'm happy to get involved or you can have their manager get involved or whatever. But actually really dealing with those, dealing with those situations in a way that's just stops that kind of, water cooler talk of, oh, this person's really difficult, oh, this person, they're like this, they're like this, oh, do you hear what they said to me? Do you see them in that meeting? You know, we just don't allow that, you know, the meeting ends and then two people sidebar and talk about the meeting. It's a waste of time. If we added up, I mean, I bet it'd be so shocking if you added up how much time in an organization gets wasted by that. It's like at the end of the meeting, just hush it through and say, okay, anyone got any issues with any of these things? If you do, I want you to speak now because I value your voice. doesn't mean we're all going to go with your opinion, but speak up right now. You bring such an authenticity, just a real, you are just real. And that in every, everyone I know that I work with at Titus Talent Strategies shows up that way. Just fun, you know, loosen the suit and tie, just be real, be human beings, be family and do business together and have real conversations. Like you do that better than just about anyone I know. And a lot, I know a lot of people struggle with having those critical or deeper conversations. And what I feel like you're sharing with us is it's pretty simple. You go and talk about it and talk facts and work through solving it with some core values and some standards involved, which is fantastic. I have a question for you. So when it comes to, I mean, you've grown this business and it's grown so fast and you have many different dynamics that you've been learning through growing the business. Um, When it comes to like coaching and mentoring, I want you to talk about that on two sides. One, do you have an outlet for you and what would you recommend in that area of being a CEO and having an outlet? And then also for your people, like how do you instill like a coaching mentoring environment for them throughout Titus Talent Strategies? I'll tackle them in reverse order. Um, so one thing I recognize is I'm a rubbish manager. I'm just not good at it. I'm not good at the day-to-day management of people. I kind of fly into a situation. Sometimes I'm helpful. Sometimes I'm not. And just recognizing, okay, I'm just not really, I'm just not gifted at that. And I know that I can grow in it, um, which would lead on to the second, your, your first question about getting coaching and mentorship for myself. But one of the things which I recognize as well, we have a young culture, um, young company and inexperienced and in many ways. So when it comes to management and leadership, many of our team members, their first leadership or management role. And well, that causes some problems, right? You know, I'm saying I'm not a good manager. And a lot of these people are in their first leadership management role. I am thankful for my business partner, who's the president of the company, who's got years, years on me and brings some great wisdom to the table. One of those things that I recognized sorry, 18 months ago was we, we do need a company culture of coaching. So that we come alongside like a great coach would do and say, hey, do this, do this. Okay, how did you think you did here? How you, you know, improve here? Just the stuff that I wasn't good at consistency. But um, so we actually brought in an outside coach to just help with this. All, and literally they're on a retainer for us and they just meet with lots of the leaders and help coach through situations. That's been fantastic. Paying somebody from the outside to come in, reach out to me if you want to know who this coach is. He's phenomenal. And been a great um, help with conflict, help with performance, helped with um, tough conversations. It's been really, really helpful. Even tough client and um, customer conversations as well. And uh, just helping helping around those things. So recognizing some of your weak areas, I think is really important. And being okay with your weakness. But when 
I think for me is oh, we have this people first, people, then partners who are our customers, people, partners, then profits in that order of priority. Sometimes what's best for the people is not me or what we have. And so making the investment in the people and bringing in the area that I'm not good at doing, you know, and we don't have the strength on our team. And I think, okay, I really, you know, it's very important. That's great. Really good advice. And I think you've been part of some different roundtable type forums and things like that, where you've participated over time, like a YPO participation, things like that. Any, any suggestions for CEOs out there as far as like being in those, I want to call it like a mastermind forum and how that's helpful for the business? Yes, I am not actually, I'm currently, I'm not a member of any of those organizations. Um, I've had the privilege of working a lot of our clients and partners are involved in those and I get invited in at times, which is great and get to glean from the wisdom of those. I will say this, on, I challenge myself on a week, weekly basis to arrange a conversation with somebody in a similar role um, who's been before and got a got a corner on something. And I just make sure I connect with them, say, hey, listen, can I get 25, 30 minutes of your time? I just want to glean from you. Very similar to what you're doing here. Obviously, you've got us into a podcast, but I do this on my own and just glean from other leaders who might challenge the way I think. And I say, hey, after all of this, I'm thinking this. Is this a crazy idea or not? You know, um, And it's been really very, very helpful for me. That's awesome. Love it. When it comes to the best book that you've either ever read or something recent that you've read that has just been pretty instrumental in inspiring you, what comes to mind? One that I'm reading right now, or I read last year and now reading again with our leadership team is Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek just a, the concept of creating cultures of trust and servant leadership and in environments where people yeah know that they uh they can trust their leaders and there's an authenticity there i think that's a creating a safe environment for people um which is, is i mean i just uh yeah i think this is it's hard wrestle for many organizations who uh, have got big lofty goals financial goals it can be hard to make decisions with putting your people first when there's a bottom line number you're trying to hit. I have found that by putting our people first, even above our clients, customers, partners, our people have a much greater output. They bring a lot more to the table. They feel safe to make risky choices and decisions that if they don't, if the risk doesn't work out well, they're not going to have their hand slapped. Even if they lose the company money or terrible they lost a client because they did something so terrible that they're not going to get beaten down for that i find myself saying well that was a, a an expensive lesson let's make it worth it you know let's learn from it and it's good it's all right <laughs> i mean goodness me i've made plenty of mistakes in my life i heard recently um anecdotal story somebody uh, was not hitting their their quota and manager said hey what's going on and I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just not, not hitting the numbers. I'm, I'm, I'm really scared. What are you scared about? I'm scared of essentially dig down, scared of failure. So, okay. You have 30 days to make one major mistake. And if you don't, this is your formal written, I'm going to put this in writing this is a written performance improvement plan. If you don't fail at something big in the next 30 days, you're fired. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. You know, I lo- I'm an extreme personality. So I totally get a kick out of that. I'm like, yes, you know, I love it. Take some risks, you know, but just the principle in there of, you know, we, we need to create cultures where people feel they can take risks. Otherwise there's just a lack of creativity. And for one of our lived values is that entrepreneurialism, 
and which means not just be wild and take a risk but actually means to carry the weight of responsibility one of the part of the roots of the word french word is to carry a weight of responsibility but it means taking a risk and being willing to carry it on your shoulders and um, we're okay with with people failing um it's a it's a i would say there's a celebrated thing in the organization like hey that's okay it's okay let's learn from it and move forward Great share. You know, Jonathan, we're heading into really up against our time. It always flies by. I've got a question for you because you were alluding to this and I just wonder how you define it. So I know that you're really big on creating this culture and we've had conversations on employee engagement. How do you define employee engagement and how does that relate to culture? The classic engagement is not happiness. You know, giving a $10,000 boost in income doesn't actually increase employee engagement. And so it's interesting to see some of those things. I think it's one of those things that we're constantly looking at and constantly investing. We just partnered with a company called Amplify to help us understand what engagement really was defined as and how to understand really what's going on and diagnose where our strengths are and where the areas of opportunity to grow and invest more in that, um, which has been really helpful. Yeah, I think there's one way with some kind of a you know anonymous assessments, but knowing knowing your people uh, is really important uh, for me. Is every time I'm I'm getting to time with individuals in our organization, I really want to understand who they are outside of work. Not just like, hey, what did you do over the weekend? But what are what are the things that what? Why did they choose to work at Titus? Talent. Why are they? Why do they choose the role that they're in? And I, to my knowledge, nobody in our organization is independently wealthy. They work here to earn income, and there's probably something behind that. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's dreams. Maybe it's their recreational desires, things like that. But to understand what those are, and so we can not just use those in a, like, in a manipulative way, but saying, okay, I want to be a part of your story and helping you grow in that way. And I find when people tie their personal world into their work world, because work-life balance, I don't think it really exists anymore. It's life, you know, it's just life and all the different ingredients that go into there. But if I can understand the pressures, hopes, dreams of those individuals, well, we can actually help them accomplish those in their professional world. And I think that's where people know, hey, this isn't just a job. This is a part of my life and I I'm, I enjoy doing what I do with the people I do it with. It's so good. And I think, you know, the more that we go deeper and truly understand what makes our people tick, the more they feel meaning in their work because we're taking so many different just avenues to get to know them and to pour into them. And I think that that's just a really good illustration. And going back to, you were sharing just a little bit ago about your people or in the example about showing up with force to do that, that job, um, yeah. bringing, bringing strong energy. And that's what, when I think of an illustration of engagement, I see people showing up with energy, with excitement, with maximizing themselves to want to pour into that. And I think, uh, you know, it's so much more than laying out their job description and giving performance reviews and feedback. It's really taking the time to get to know them on a personal level. And it makes them want to show up and to be their very best for our workplaces. So with that, again, these times always fly by. So Jonathan, uh, thank you so much for your time today. There's all kinds of key takeaways. I'm going to be summarizing here in just a couple of minutes. And um, I know you'll be inspiring many CEOs and presidents and key executives across the globe. Are you still using Pulse surveys? How about annual questionnaires? If your organization relies on either of these, it's time to discover Amplify. Amplify has created a new way to measure employee engagement. 
It's where CEOs who want to know what's really happening within a workforce go to get honest feedback and to understand what needs to change for people to love their work. Companies that have used Implify have increased productivity by as much as 30% in just three months. Best of all, it's not just data that Implify provides. Executives get hands-on coaching with engagement specialists, people who know exactly what to do with the data. To see their latest research on employee engagement, visit Amplify.com. All right, Jonathan, that was another very fast show of some action-packed examples of how we can go back and live out new ideas to drive engagement and our culture of our organization. So I've got a couple key takeaways that I call the truth you can act on section. So hopefully you can take back at least one of these ideas to have a conversation with your team or just start trying something new in your organization. So first of all, um, what about your culture code or how do you define your culture with like a set uh, core list of values, if you will? Um, It's so important that your leaders not just see this written on the wall somewhere in your organization, but they can you know, repeat these, they have them memorized, they make decisions based on these key terms that make up your culture code, or Jonathan calls it your live values. I think that is just so great. Um, Number two, so when having tough conversations, which are so crucial to have, it's one of those things that no one loves to have them, but we can't put them off. It's important to um, gather your thoughts and make them factual so that you can present the facts to the table and empower your people to have tough conversations so that that gossip doesn't happen in your organization. Because when we don't hit things on the head, then people are talking behind the scenes and it's just a bunch of wasted time. So um, empowering your people to have tough conversations, I think is very key. And most importantly, bringing the facts to the table to present to that other person so that it's not... um, not so much arguable information. I think that's that's great. And third is as a CEO or president or key executive, it's so important to have a group of peers that you're learning from. And I, I love Jonathan's idea of reaching out to someone new every week and having a conversation, someone that you can peer learn from, pick their brain, they pick yours, and just making that a habit to consistently develop new relationships that can help you grow and you can help them grow. So that's the truth you can act on. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks again, Jonathan, for sharing today. Did we get that? Did we just change the world?